0: How you guys doing today? Did I hear a remark already? I'm not going to ask, but it was. You really need this sermon today. <laughs> Frodo and Samwise... Drake and Josh. (laughs) Lennon-McCartney. Jim and Pam. (laughs) Glory. John Adams. Thomas Jefferson. Maybe for looking just at the Bible, David and Jonathan. Or maybe Jesus and Peter. What all these people have going for them? They are famous friends. Everybody knows when you hear those words, oh yeah, those, that's a friendship. That is a famous friendship. Something changed the world through that friendship. My name's Jason, I'm gonna be preaching today out of Proverbs chapter 17. Verse 17. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. We were scheduled today to hear from Pastor Pastor Nate Wagner uh, to continue on in our series in Revelation, which I'm excited to hear. Um, But he is an athlete, a good athlete. He goes hard, and he went too hard. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted to preach today. He was going to do it, but I, I had to sit him. He um, wounded himself playing street ball with some of his friends. So um, anyway, we're not doing Revelation, so you're going to have to just hold your anticipation for some bowls of wrath, and we're going to talk about something different today. Friends, friendship is underappreciated, and specifically, maybe in the church, uncultivated. Sometimes our ideas of friendship are just odd. But you know what friendship feels like. If you've ever had one of those days where everything went wrong, and you're not just wondering, Is, are things going to get better? You're like wondering about life itself, and you're wondering about what matters and what doesn't, and you have a friend that shows up. I've had this so many times during my life. One specific instance I can remember, they knew what was happening to me at work. They didn't ask me about it. They just grabbed me and took me home. They had my favorite beverage. They made bread. um, Didn't give me advice before listening. Understood my heart better than I did. And I felt understood and cared for. And like, that's a friend, right? That's a friend. We need this. The Lord believes we need this. And I believe it too. Because one of the ways that you experience love is friendship. I guarantee it. One of the ways that you experience love in the church is through friendship. It's very important. And we almost never talk about it, right? Right? So we're going to talk about that today. In fact, I would go so far as to say your happiness in life and your happiness in this church is dependent on your ability to be a friend and to have a friend. Those are big words, but I believe them. I do. So our simple goal is to understand friendship better and to be a better friend when we get to the end of this. We're going to use my favorite verse in the Bible, Proverbs seventeen seventeen. And I'm going to tell you that it's, it's a great genre. It's wisdom literature. And just a quick brief on that, because we've been in Revelation, and it's not wisdom literature, right? It's apocalyptic literature, and it's highly, uh, just a lot of visions and a lot of imagery. And, and, and this is wisdom literature. It's, it's, it's not like any other genre in the Bible. It doesn't have the narrative force of, say, a gospel or like maybe Genesis. It doesn't have the precision and logic of, say, maybe one of Apostle Paul's letters. It's very different. But God has put a lot of wisdom literature in this book of his, in the Bible. And so we need to understand how to use it. Now Proverbs, generally speaking, we did a sermon series on this several years back. I loved it. But it's it's different, it's not. It's made for the gray areas of life. Wisdom literature is this, God has created this world and he's teaching you how to live your life along the grains of creation. Because if you don't, you're gonna have trouble. It's not a precept, it's not a principle, it's, it's wisdom. And what he's telling you is that if you live your life without learning how to be a friend, and without learning how to have a friend, that's, that's sad, right? The Bible talks about so much, not just doctrine and theology and end times. It talks about your job, and it talks about friendship. So we're going to talk about friendship today. Just a little bit about friendship. Um, like the landscape of it today is not good, especially in the Western world. Facebook, and I probably won't blame them. Let's just say social media has a redefined friendship to mean connection. It is not that. Connections are not friends. And you have this phone in your pocket, so you have a never-ending communication going on with everybody you've ever actually not met. And they have access to you, and it's life-draining. That is not friendship. And you're consumed by commitments from work, and from family, and from stuff, and from projects, and from your own stuff and entertainment options. You're just consumed by that. And so friendship is a very scarce commodity. There is a report that just came out, just came out. So it's on the backside of the pandemic uh, by the Survey Center for American Life or of American Life. And they said that basically over 40% of Americans can't really identify one friend. And it's worse for men. We are isolated. We have never been more connected and never been more lonely. Friends, you need some wisdom. And God has it for you. The way that wisdom works in Proverbs is it's a poem. And it gives you line A and line B. And many times they seem like they have nothing to do with one another. Oh, but they do. So what it does is it gives you a universe between life, line A and line B. And we're gonna mine, because that's in the gap between these, t- these, two, these two lines of poetry, is where all the gold is. So we're gonna just take a few minutes to try to dig in and find out what it means to be a friend. So we're gonna read the verse right now, and I'm not gonna do it, you're gonna do it with me. We still friends, right? Okay. Let's do this. It's very short. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We humble ourselves under your beautiful word. It speaks to us through so many genres. It's staggering. We pray that by the power of your spirit, you would change us today, and we would hear everything you have to say to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So which is it? Are we talking about friendship or a brother? And that pronoun can be extended to family. Which is it? Oh, well, it's not going to make that decision for you. It's going to give you a range of understanding to apply friendship in your life across the entire spectrum. That is the beauty and the power of wisdom literature. It's for life in the gray. It has a lot to say about friendship. So, friends, I'm going to walk you through some characteristics and actions of friends that fit within the gap of both being a friend who loves without ceasing and being a brother or like a brother or a sister that is there when adversary shows up. So the first thing is this. Friends show up. really? Yeah. How how are you getting that out of there? Because you love. Jesus is really clear on this. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you can't make a commitment and honor it, you're never going to have a friend that's really going to stick with you. I'm just going to say that. It's part of maturity, forget about spiritual maturity, Just, it's part of any kind of maturity. And Western culture does not like commitments because commitments take away options. And that's one of our 10 commandments, right? Unending options. So friends show up. If you're going to be a good friend and have a good friend, you need to learn to start making commitments and showing up to your friend, with your friend. It's really important. Um, I remember when I was doing my mom's funeral. That was not a great day. And I had, it was on the West Coast. And there was a portico member um, that happened to be stationed out there in the Air Force now. And out of the blue, this guy pulls up in a black suit. That's a friend. Didn't know it. He didn't say why he did it, he showed up. Friends, show up. There's no way to have the type of friendship God wants for your life and through your life if you don't have the ability to show up. So make a commitment and keep it. Friends, show up. Secondly, friends, spend wisely. Man, if you're gonna be a friend, you gotta spend. You're gonna spend your time, your energy, your emotions, You're going to lose privacy, you're going to lose your mind a little bit, because it's costly. Friendship is not always life-giving. Sometimes it hurts, sometimes you get wounded, sometimes you need to learn to forgive, but no matter what, friends need to spend wisely. You're going to spend at the cash register of your friendship if it's a real friend, Now we can have lots of connections and acquaintances, but again, those are not friends. Friends will spend on you. I did a little bit of research on the social science end of this. Do you know how long it takes to make a friend? Well, apparently 50 hours to get past acquaintance to friendship. 90 hours if it's an actual friend where you have a deepness that would be considered like, oh yeah, that's one of my friends. 200 plus hours if it's an intimate friend. Do you you have that time? If I were to ask you to mark off 200 hours in your calendar for 2021, could you do it? Will you be my friend? No, you won't. (laughs) Yeah, it is costly, friends. It is costly. So spend wisely. Listen, I need to speak to a few different categories here. First of all, you've probably heard this before, but I love it. One of the miracles that Jesus never gets credit for is, is this. He, he was a single man in his 30s and had a bunch of friends. He had at least 12 friends that we know of, and they loved him. But also, he didn't spend equal time with all of them. Why? Because God the Son chose to incarnate, which means he lived by the power of the Holy Spirit in flesh, and he was finite in that nature. So he wasn't friends with everybody. Lots of people want to be friends with Jesus, and he just kept going. That's God. God the Son in the flesh. And of his disciples, there were three, Peter, James, and John, that he really poured into. Why is that? He's God. Because he's honoring his commitment to walk in the flesh, and he's doing it as Jesus he doesn't pour into all of them the same way. So you're gonna to have to spend wisely. You can't, so now I need to talk to two camps of friends. One is the extrovert. I'm kind of on this camp. Friends, and I'm gonna speak on behalf of all the introverts. Please stop trying to be everybody's friend. Please, you can't be. It, it drains you, it drains us. You can't be everybody's close, intimate friend. You should have some friends, and you can be friendly with everybody. And you're really good at it. But don't make the mistake of imagining you're going to be everybody's friend. Because that makes for shallow relationships that aren't based on commitments. Now, for you introverts out there, you can have a friend. You can do it. Oh, people exhaust me. Me too, and I'm an extrovert. You can have a friend. You have to learn to pay the cost of friendship if you're going to have a friend. Well, I don't have a friend here. Okay, I tell people this all the time. Don't assume just because you're a member of this church, you're gonna have to find your best friend here. You may not, but it's a family. Are you, friend, are you best friends with everybody in your family? Of course you're not. But sometimes, you find a best friend in the family? I've got maybe two or three in my whole life. So, spend wisely. Third, friends give access. So they show up, they spend wisely, and they give access. You gotta let your friends into your hopes, your fears, your struggles when appropriate. The strength of your communication should not exceed the strength of your relationship. Don't just pour on everybody. That's not good or helpful. Why aren't we trying to be transparent? I don't know, are we? Because transparency and vulnerability many times is self-serving. If I'm being authentic, right? It's about what I need, and what not, not what's going to actually work in the relationship. So you should have a friend you can know and be known by. And you should give them appropriate, deep access to your life. Stuff that might feel uncomfortable. John 15, verse 15. Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants to his disciples, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. What do you think God the Son hears from God the Father? All kinds of stuff, especially in his earthly ministry. And it was life-giving to him. And it was terrifying to him. And it produces anxiety, and it produces joy. And Jesus actually shows his disciples. He's equipping them, I know, but it's not just a work relationship. And he loves them, and he calls them friends. That blows my mind. Because if you don't give access to people, you don't have a friendship, the way you could, at least. So do do you do that? Are you willing to give real access to others, to your life? Well, what do you mean? Are your friends allowed to confront you? Or must they only affirm you? Because if they're only allowed to affirm you, that's not a friend. That's a connection. You can do that on Facebook. That's not a friend. That's a squad. Exactly. People come and go in squads. We used to call them posses, but apparently that's not cool anymore. (laughs) I'm trying to stay relevant, guys. Are your friends allowed to confront me? You like yell at me and scream at me? Nobody can do that. No, I'm not talking about that. What if your son says, hey, I think I disagree with you on that. I think you're wrong. Do you take such a body hit and a wound on that that you can't be friends anymore? Give him access. Listen to them. Hey, if you died, would anybody know where your passwords and important stuff are? Hmm, okay, give access. Four, you need to serve your friends. Now that makes sense in a Christian, right? We're all about that. We're like, yes, yes, this, you guys are great at it. You guys are great at serving. Here's what you're not good at. You're not great at being served. I can see the guilt on your face when somebody serves you. You feel guilty about it. You want to get out of friend debt just like that. man. Um, you're taking joy away from people. Jesus has literally said, it's better to give than receive. If, so if, you don't, if you're not allowed to receive, then you're taking joy away from people. So learn how to depend on the kindness of other people, especially in this church, other Christians, and even people that aren't Christians. We get so weird about this. He can be friends with people who aren't believers, real good friends. Now, I'm going to I'm going to qualify that. You should have your deepest connections with those in the church because you worship the same Lord. But sometimes we get so weird about our friendship in church, it's really just about sitting in a circle and talking about the sermon that I don't, you know, they're weird or I like him but they always want me to repent or something. So I'm going to be friends with my neighbor cuz like we play golf and he's awesome. Sometimes there could be a lot of reasons for this. I don't want people in the church learning about me, and I'm I'm afraid to reveal myself. There could be so many reasons, but the point is learn to depend on the kindness of people and don't feel guilty about it. I know you're going to serve. This is not a sermon on serving. It's about being a friend. Learn to receive. Well, shouldn't I initiate and reciprocate? Well, yeah, friends do that, but it's just really weird when you're not allowing yourself to receive what people are giving to you. So, serve, be served. Here's one I shouldn't have to put in the sermon. Number five, friends have fun. Do you have fun with your friends? We're like, oh no, is it theologically correct? Yes. (laughs) Yes, have fun fun with your friends. God is not glorified in you having miserable friendships. (laughs) Sometimes friendships are miserable for the the right reason, but have fun together. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. It's just straight up true. People who bore each other shouldn't meet. People who interest one another should meet often. Well, I thought in the church we had to love everybody. We do. This is is not a sermon on love, this is a sermon on friendship. There will be people in this church who really irritate you. I might be one of them. I irritate myself once in a while. Does that mean you can't love me? Of course you can love me. Can we be friendly? Yes. You should be able to find people you can have fun with in the community. It doesn't have to be your best friend. Please take that off your plate. Like, we can actually do something together. And maybe it's somebody that's not like you or doesn't look like you or doesn't think like you or doesn't vote like you. Imagine that. What might Jesus teach the world if people in one church who had different convictions politically could actually go out and have fun together? It might start a revolution. Have fun together. I'm going to tell you a little bit about men and women. This is social science. You can look it up. Men and women spend time differently. I could get into the biology of that, how the fetus is developing, testosterone changes the way the brain develops, men are more compartmentalized. Yeah, We can do all that. But let me just tell you the end point. Guys don't really grow in friendship unless they're doing something together. They don't even communicate well unless they're doing something together. Men, generally speaking, this is a caricature, but generally speaking, men communicate for position in the pack. It's not competition, just position, where do I fit in, and how do I fix things? Solutions. It's true. So we have to do something together to actually grow an intimacy. One, one of my best friends, what we did is we, we changed the timing belt on his Subaru WRX, In my garage for a month, and we'll probably be friends until we die. (laughs) I know it's weird. God made this world, right? We're just trying to learn how to live in it. Pastor Nate Wagner has good friends. They're at you know the the break of dawn out there, and he's going hard playing basketball with these guys. He loves them. Now he's paying the true cost of friendship. (laughs) 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 And he wanted to preach. I'm just like, no, dude, just. He's tough. So men communicate that way. So do something. Men do not sit in a circle and look at each other in their eyes and communicate well. They just don't. <laughs> Maybe you do in you're a man like I do. Well, great. But I usually don't. I think I do a little bit better than most dudes, but that's one of the reasons why deceptive groups and community groups are hard for us sometimes. Just telling that out. Now, women, generally speaking, communicate for connection. So they feel very much at home, not to mention they usually say they will speak on any given day, at least twice as many words as a dude will, usually. They're just good at it, and they have a lot more instinct and insight and emotional awareness. And they can actually sit in a circle, generally speaking, or, at, or somewhere, just for the purpose of talking, and be totally life-giving to them. So know a little bit about yourself as you know a little bit about your friends. Have fun together. Have fun together. Go do something. Get out. Number six, friends listen. One of the biggest mistakes I find in friendship and in marriages is that you know how to hear, but you don't know how to listen. I bet you know a lot less about your friend than you think you do because you assume too much. Learn how to shut up and listen. And listening has a lot more to do than just deciphering their words. It's not information transfer. You're you're discerning the heart of your friend. Not to psychoanalyze them, but to love them. So learn to listen to your friend. Also, Christians are bad at this. Like, we'll we'll put you in an interrogation room. Where were you last night? Why didn't you text me? How's your heart? I don't know, What, what are you even talking about? How's my heart? How are you really? code word for give me something over you, right? um, And I know those are like, if you say, I'm not, I know we do this because we care about your heart. We know that life is not just what you do or what you say. It's body, mind, and spirit. So I get that. But you know, Christians, we can laugh at ourselves a little bit. We use some of these code words. Listen to your friend. They're probably saying a lot. You're just not deciphering. Listen to your friend. I had a friend of mine, he was not a believer. He's a Navy pilot and wildly different on all kinds of spectrums, but somehow we became friends. And one of the last times we got together, um, it was random. We just happened to be walking in the same city, and we're like, oh, it's you. And we spent the whole day together. And halfway through the day, he's like, okay, I know. He's like, you're not one of those Christians that feels like, because we haven't seen each other for a while. He's like, you're not one of those Christians that feels like you need to save me, are you? I'm like, well, I don't know. Do the math. I'm a pastor, so what do you think? <laughs> right? But what we, what we got to is this. Everybody has a world they want to influence with. Everybody's an evangelist for something. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's politics. Maybe, but whatever's important to you comes out of your mouth. And so we were like, oh, yeah, okay. So, no, I'm not trying to, like, no, only God saves, but I'm going to tell you what's important to me, just like you're telling me what's important to you. Listen to your friends. Don't make them a project. Actually become a friend with them, and you might find that they're interested in what you actually believe instead of what you're saying. So listen to them. So where are we at? Friends show up. They spend wisely. They give access. They know how to serve and be served. They have fun they listen, and they repent. You might have found that you're not a great friend today. Maybe you're an awesome friend. Lead us. Friends know how to repent. Friends know how to forgive one another. Friends know how to not make that wound infectious. So if you need to be a better friend, own it not the end of the world. If Jesus forgives you, but you can't forgive you, that's weird. Jesus said in John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. But I thought Jesus just came to save the world from their sin. Well, in Proverbs, it says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Seems to me like love is the foundation for real friendship. It certainly seems to me that that's what Jesus is getting at. Jesus said to his disciples for them to understand it, and I'm going to push that to you, That his act of redemption, incarnation, living by faith before God the Father, at great cost to himself, paying the cost of redemption, was done for people he considers his friends. Let me ask you something. Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe God likes you? Yeah. Do you believe that God actually wants to walk through your life with you? The good, bad, and ugly? Do you think that's fun for him? You're like, no, I don't show him that stuff. Why would I? He's already done enough. No, Jesus laid his life down for his friends. God tells Abraham that, hey, you know, how did he say it? Abraham believed, and he credited to him as righteousness, and he basically said, you're my friend, Abraham. Call him a friend of God. Can you walk in a relationship with a living God where he wants to be with you, where he likes you, not just loves you, where he paid the ultimate price? He laid down his life, foundation of love, to redeem you from real sin, from real death, from real judgment, takes it on himself, and then he's going he, Then he wants to, he wants to do this. He wants to walk through life with you. He's showing up always. He's spending his time with you. Well, I don't feel that. He doesn't need your permission to, to, to spend time with you and to love you. And many times our emotions don't live up with what is true. You're called to give him access. He wants to be with you. Oh, here it is put it down here. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is out of James 2.23. He's quoting Genesis 15. And he was called a friend of God. You just don't have a category for that, do you? Well, that was Abraham. Have you read about Abraham in Genesis? I'm pretty sure you're better than him. Love is the foundation of friendship. Jesus has shown you, not just by imitation, but he's redeemed you. You see, Jesus deserves your worship, but he gave you friendship. Well, didn't he make worship possible? Yeah, but that's not what this text is about. Don't, don't try to run away from that text. Jesus deserves your worship, even if you never knew him or even knew about him. He chose to give you friendship. So there's nobody better in this world than the folk in this room who understand what it's like that God would call you a friend than to learn how to live as a friend, both here, in your own families, in your homes, with your roommates, in your workplaces. Hmm. Is God a friend like that to you? I hope you feel uncomfortable. I do. I'm going to ask you to do one thing today. I want you to be a friend. How? Really specific. Make contact with someone that requires you to make a commitment. Do it today. Make contact with somebody that requires you to make a commitment so that you can be a friend, see a friend, reconnect with a friend, serve a friend, give access to a friend, have fun with a friend, do it. Otherwise, it's just, it's just an idea we talked about. That's not how wisdom literature looks. You, know you know what wisdom literature calls someone who listens to wisdom that doesn't do it? A fool. Be wise. Listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord that calls you his friend if you would just receive him by faith. One other thing before I close Those of you that are married in here, you realize that a good marriage is built on the foundation of a good friendship. I'm gonna ask you to make contact with your spouse first. Are you guys still good friends? Do you have fun together? Do you give access to one another? All these things we talked about. Do you? That's where it starts. Dear Lord, I thank you that you've called us friends. That is so hard to accept and believe. Your word is so clear. Lord, we, we know, we know to worship you. We know to love you and fear you. We know that friendship between us and you is not a buddy system. But we know that you've called us friends. I pray that you teach us today all that are here, all that are listening, what it means to be this kind of friend that Proverbs talks about, that loves always, that pays the price of that friendship, and that shows up, Lord, and is just like a brother or sister. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.